Hey everybody, welcome back to the Wedding Pioneer Show. My name is Jake. I'm going to be your host today. And today I've got a fantastic guest with us uh, that I'm going to introduce. It's Caitlin Peterson of Wedding Words. So first of all, Caitlin, welcome to the show. How are you doing Thank today? Thank you. I'm so excited. Great. Thanks for being here. So before we get started, obviously today we're going to get into uh, the fantastic world of wedding speeches and writing vows and all of these uh, exciting topics. But before we do that, I'm curious how you got into this business. So if you wouldn't mind, give us a little background on yourself, you know, professionally and sort of how you got into this and, and what your what your business is all about today. Sure. So I studied journalism in college and how I got into this business specifically happened in the summer of 2017. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm originally from Michigan and I flew home to Michigan to attend my grandfather's funeral. And my dad at the time was really struggling to write the eulogy for his dad. And so with my background in writing, he had me take a look at what he had already spent eight hours trying to come up with. And I said, you know, the details of what really make grandpa unique are what's missing. And so I worked with him line by line to rewrite that eulogy by asking him questions and then him telling me in his own words what he felt about grandpa and using those details to rewrite the eulogy. So when I was done with it, he said with tears in his eyes, this is exactly what I wanted to say. I just didn't know how to put it into words. So that experience made me think there have to be other people who have these milestone moments where they too are really struggling to put their heart into words. And so fast forward a couple of weeks later, my now husband, then boyfriend helped me throw up a website just to see if people were interested in hiring somebody to write their wedding vows and speeches. And now uh, this is what I do full time. Wow. Okay. So started then, like, I'm just kind of curious on, on the business. So when you first put it out there and, and started offering this service, was it something that uh, took off right away or did it take some time for people to, to find out about you and, and to get going a little bit? It took a little while to gain some traction because people don't know, even today, while it's more popular, people still don't know that this is a service that is available. You know, when you get engaged, you know, to book your photographer, a lot of people book their wedding planner, videographer, your venue. These are all standard on your wedding to-do list itinerary, but hiring your vow writer or your speech writer is not typically top of mind. And so I've gained more traction as people are just sort of Googling around for vow and speech writing tips. And then they stumble upon me and realize, oh, I can hire somebody to help me do this. And then that's when there's this like sigh of relief people have that they don't have to tackle this on their own. That's awesome. So I'm just curious, like, do some people struggle with the idea of like, especially a wedding, like if you're giving a speech for your daughter or, you know, your husband, wife, whatever, do people struggle with the idea that like, this feels very personal, like this should be my words. And it feels a little weird, like having somebody, a, a stranger write this for me? Like, is that a struggle that some people have when they, when they first come to you? In the beginning, more so than now, I think that the pandemic helped to make things like Zoom a household name. And so when people see that I conduct the interviews via a Zoom video call like this, there's already a sense of familiarity and comfort in knowing how you can connect like that. That was maybe foreign, you know, just before 2020. But there is still an element of that. And I think people are are still surprised that in 20 to 50 minutes of speaking with me and then receiving the first draft of their speech, 
how I'm able to really synthesize their emotions and their thoughts from such a short period of time. But that's where my background in journalism really comes into effect is I know how to ask the right questions to get a lot of information in a short amount of time and to understand kind of the feeling and the sentiment behind just what they're saying. So they may tell me one thing, but behind that, they're saying something else. And that's where I'll kind of dig into that more through that, like I said, the the journalistic interview style. A lot of these things will come to the surface. Many people tell me it feels like a therapy session after we talk because they come into it thinking, I'm going to tell you some of these fun anecdotes about my sister for her wedding and my maid of honor speech. And we end up talking about things, you know, the relationship and how she helped her evolve into the woman she is today in ways that maybe she hadn't really vocalized before or consciously thought of, but that are very key, even if we're not going to use those things word for word in the speech, they're key for me as a speechwriter to know what is the relationship dynamic like to be able to place that tone and whatever energy we want to kind of push the speech forward. Yeah. Very cool. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about, we're going to get into some specific speeches and pull out some of your advice and tips and some formulas maybe that work um, that can help people that are struggling. But before we do that, let's just talk basics for somebody who's been asked to be in a wedding for the first time, not super familiar with this, like what roles in a wedding typically give speeches? Like, so I think the best man speech is a really common one. Mm-hmm. Like what else? Like who, who, who are the people you're working with? And if you're somebody that's in a wedding party, like, how do you know you're going to be giving a speech or expected to give a speech? No, it's a great question. So this is, of course, us talking very broadly, like traditionally, but I always kind of have the caveat that weddings nowadays, they're made to break tradition and couples are so unique that they can make up whatever rules they want. So whatever advice I'm about to say is historically what might be done, but couples, you can do whatever you want. So um, traditionally, you would have at the rehearsal dinner, and this is if we're talking about a heterosexual couple, you'd have the groom's parents hosting the rehearsal, the bride's parents hosting the wedding day. And the reason I mention that is because that kind of trickles down to who's speaking at which event. So we're not just talking about the wedding. The father of the groom or mother of the groom may speak at the rehearsal, and then the father or mother of the bride may speak at the wedding. In terms of people in the wedding party, those people typically are going to speak at the wedding and it's traditionally going to be the best man and the maid of honor. And those are your key roles. I also recommend that the couple themselves give a speech, if only at one of those two events at the wedding, and it can be really short, it can be 60 seconds, but it's nice for the couple to acknowledge their guests, thank everybody for being there. And so those would be the key roles. But again, couples look completely different. And so their wedding party and their family dynamics, all of that. One of the things I love is like, I I work with people who have all these different twists on their weddings. I've worked with more man of honors this year than I ever have. And that's really fun to get to see how brides aren't just choosing, you know, their best girlfriend, they're choosing the man that's really important in their life to stand by their side. And so That's why I have this big caveat at the beginning, because it's hard to say what you should do. It's really what you want to do. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Very cool. Talk then a little bit about, um, in a similar vein, if you're giving uh, somebody who's giving a speech versus somebody who's giving a toast, um, I'm assuming that you've written both. So what are some tips there 
you know, speech versus toast, like those kind of things. So in the context of a wedding, speech and toast is usually used synonymously. If you're getting down to the details, a toast is going to be something shorter, usually one to five sentences, and a speech is going to be something longer, usually one to five minutes. But when somebody says, hey, can you give the best man toast at my wedding? The couple's probably expecting you to say more than a few sentences. So the toast part specifically is going to be the very end of your speech where you raise your glass and you have a few words that people can cheers to. But like I said, in the wedding industry, speech and toast are, are used somewhat synonymously. Okay, very cool. So what, what's some general advice? Obviously, uh, with your business, you're writing the speech uh, for the person, which is a great service. But then, of course, the person has to go out and execute, right? So words on a paper are one thing. Uh, but I would imagine that a lot of people that you're writing for have a lot of anxiety. Maybe they're not super comfortable in front of people speaking. Um, so do you, you know, when you hand over a speech to somebody, like, do you give them any tips for kind of how to deal with those feelings? Like, what would you say to somebody that's struggling with that right now? Absolutely. That is one of the main reasons people reach out to me is because they have a fear of public speaking, which is incredibly common. So I always like to tell people you're not alone in that anxiety. And usually what happens is once we finalize the speech, people already feel a sense of relief because they can be confident in the words that they're saying. They don't have to feel embarrassed or judged because they know that a lot of thought has been put into it and it's really representative of what they feel and what they want to say. So that right there is the first half, but that is only the first half. The second half is getting comfortable with now, like you said, vocalizing these words that are printed on paper. And the number one tip I have for that, it, it sounds maybe not that you know mountain moving, but it's just to practice it. Practice reading the speech out loud several times, do it in front of somebody you trust to give you constructive feedback. Um, it might make you a little cringeworthy at first, but do it, like record yourself doing it and watch it back. Do it in front of a mirror, all these things that you've probably already heard, but it, it really is key in you just becoming more and more comfortable with it. In terms of clients that I work with, I offer two different ways of helping them with public speaking. One is all of my clients who sign up for a custom speech writing service will receive a video of me giving public speaking tips once it's done. So they're able to watch that on their own time, take that feedback, put it into practice. Other people who really want to take their public speaking to the next level will actually sign up for another call with me where once the speech is done, they'll read their call, they'll read their speech over a video call and I'll provide real-time feedback. So within that one hour call, they practice it as many times as they want. I let them know the things they're doing really well, the things that they can work on, and they're able to practice that in real time. Okay. Very, very nice. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the best man speech. Um, we're going to get into a few different speeches and just kind of get your advice here. So when you're writing or helping somebody out with a best man speech, uh, do you have a general template or an outline that you follow as far as like what to include? Like, is that how systematic you're doing it or how do you go about just crafting? So when I work with clients, there's, there are certain elements that I want to make sure we hit, you know, you want to make sure you talk about not just the person you're standing up for in the wedding, but their new spouse as well. We want to make sure that you have a really strong closing, that you introduce yourself at the beginning. But aside from hitting those key points, when I work with somebody, the way that I come up with this structure 
is based on our call. So if I get the sense, you know, that there's a certain theme that keeps coming up, maybe maybe you're talking a lot about how your friend is very adventurous and they take every opportunity as a way to challenge themselves. Well, how can we not only show something about your friend through these stories that you have together, but then transition that into, well, how are they going to bring a sense of adventure into their marriage? And how are they going to be a strong spouse because of that quality? So when I work with clients, the first thing is really identifying a theme that we can illustrate stories through and and tie into marriage. If you aren't working with me and you're sitting down to try to write a speech on your own, then the kind of structure I recommend would be to first start with an introduction, keep it really short. Uh, What I don't recommend doing that I think people do because they're nervous is a lot of fluff at the beginning. People starting by saying, oh, I'm not a great public speaker, so you've been warned. Or just (laughs) so you know, this is my first time doing this. So, you know, be prepared. It's, you know, that's, that's more for you than the crowd. And you're already setting people up to judge you and question you, which is the exact opposite of what you want to do. So just dive right by right in by having a simple one line intro. Hi, my name is Caitlin Peterson. I've known the bride since second grade, and I'm honored to be her maid of honor here today. So you're saying who you are, what your role is, and how you know the couple. And then you can dive right into stories. So let's say I'm a maid of honor standing up for a bride. Then I'm going to dive into some stories about her, qualities I want to illustrate about her that I really admire. And that section can be usually about a minute. And then transition into talking about things I admire about her new spouse, maybe some stories I have with them then transition into who they are as a couple, any wishes I have for their marriage before tying everything together in a really strong closing. So that's my structure for somebody who's working on a speech to keep in mind these different elements. So it's not just heavy on the person you're standing up for and you forget the other person or you know that you sit too long in any area or leave anything out. Okay. Yeah. What you just said is one of my biggest pet peeves in speeches. And I'm no professional speaker, right? <laughs> But I hate, like inside, I just always cringe when somebody gets up there like, I'm really nervous. It's probably isn't going to be very good. Oh, that's just like. It's, ah. it's a way for people to feel kind of like when we announce our greatest fears, they don't feel as scary anymore. So I get the benefit in it, but it's not really benefiting you because now people, you've already set them up to just, like I said, be kind of watching these things that you don't want them to notice that. Even if you mess up, nobody's going to notice. And at the end of the day, everybody has a fear of public speaking. And so when all the guests are watching you, they're rooting for you. They want you to do really well. And they can feel your nerves, not because you're showing them necessarily, but because their hands would be sweating if they were in your shoes. So you're, you're in good company. You can feel it's a safe space. And um, my other big tip is just, Look at the top of everyone's head instead of in their eyes directly. It'll look to them like you're making eye contact, but it'll make you less nervous. All right. That's a good one. Talk a little bit about icebreakers, specifically for the best man speech. Maybe the same would apply, I guess, for maybe anybody, maybe a maid of honor as well. But Mm -hmm. that's a common thing people are looking for is how do I open up? How do I get this thing going? And so you talked about a a concise little opening, but I'm just curious, like, are you a big fan of you know, some kind of a humorous joke or story to like get things going. Do you like that? 
I love humor in speeches. I think that humor is necessary, but it's also necessary to balance humor with sentiment. This is still a wedding. The couple wants you to know, wants to know what you really think of them and wants all of their guests to feel that as well. So um, this isn't your opportunity to be a stand-up comedian and have it be your open mic night, but definitely inject some humor and have it be like a tennis match, you know, bounce between funny. I always say you want to make them laugh and then you want to make them wipe a tear away. And ideally you want them to laugh throughout the beginning and end on them wiping a tear away rather than laughing because you want that kind of like clutching like their heart, like, oh my gosh, that was so moving at the end. Um, in terms of humor, I'm totally here for it unless it's a joke that we've already heard a hundred times at win. You know, refrain from a lot of those cliches. If you've heard it before and that's why it came to mind for you to potentially use in a speech, chances are everybody else has heard it as well. So try to come up with something that is unique to the couple and your relationship with them. So think about your dynamic with the person you're standing up for. What kind of jokes do you have? If they're inside jokes, don't keep them inside for the wedding. Figure out a way to bring everybody into the joke with you. And if you don't have a way to do that, leave the joke out because you're going to have you and the bride laughing or the groom laughing. And that's not enough people to, to be in on the joke. So I don't have specific jokes to recommend or icebreakers because I don't believe in something that's generic. I would say work with your strength of what's in your lane. If you're not a funny person, then don't try to be funny. But um, if you are somebody who's more playful and lighthearted, definitely lean into that and, and play that play that side of your personality up. And I always say whatever your personality is, whether you're the, you know, the quiet wallflower or the life of the party, you want to bring 110% when you're holding the microphone because your job is to engage all the guests that are in that room. And you need to have the highest level of energy to be able to have people kind of, you know, have them engaged and, and feel the impact of the words that you're saying. So if I'm hearing you, you're saying that you don't, don't necessarily feel like you have to open up with a, you know, a one-liner or a joke if that's not your thing and you're not comfortable with it. But right. if you do, don't do some cliche joke that everybody's heard a hundred times. Exactly. You don't want to force it for the sake of being funny and specifically you know, I have to bring up COVID since everyone, you know, at this point in time, it's 2021 and a lot of people are affected by that is how to bring up COVID or not. So in 2020, I had a strong stance in don't mention COVID at all. I got married in 2020 and I was so, I mean, the amount of replanning that went into our wedding, we had to uninvite 95% of our guests, mm. change the venue. And at that point, you know, that's all everyone was talking about. And so I just thought, if we finally get to our wedding and people only want to talk about COVID and that's what we hear in the speeches, like, this, can we just not talk about it for this one day? Um, now that we've transitioned into 2021, my opinion on that has changed a little bit because life in the time of COVID has changed a little bit. People are vaccinated. They're getting out and doing things again. We're enjoying life in the way that we knew before. So I'm not opposed to people mentioning COVID in their speeches this year, but there's definitely a way to do it. And also to keep in mind, a lot of people lost loved ones from this. And it's a very sad and traumatizing thing that we've all been through. And so to be cognizant of the jokes that you make or 
how much time you give to COVID in your speech. So for parents who are hosting the event, you know, a way that I've worked with parents of the couple is to, is to say something like, it means so much to have family and friends here to celebrate the love between this couple. And having not got to celebrate with so many of you in person for the past year, it means even more to feel your presence here today. So that's a way of acknowledging COVID without sending a paragraph saying, you know, the couple has had to replan after three wedding dates and five venues and send out like, I've had people who, who had me review their speeches who talk about how all these things that went wrong because of the pandemic. Those are the things let's leave out. And let's just focus on like how joyful it is that we all get to be together. Yeah, that's good advice. I like that. Very good. So we talked uh, about the best man speech and you went in a little bit to, at least in one of your examples about the, uh, like a maid of honor. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming those are similar speeches. Like you gave a really helpful kind of outline of how to, you know, if you're constructing your own best man speech, I'm just curious, like uh, best man, maid of honor, like, do you pretty much follow that same, would you give the same advice to a maid of honor as a best yeah, man? Is there anything different? It's pretty about similar for both. I mean, really, whatever the role that you have in the wedding, it's similar. You want to give a brief intro, how you are related to the couple, talk about each person in the couple, any wishes you have for for them, their future, their marriage, and then a strong closing. And that's kind of the the zoomed out structure. But if you are a parent, that's going to look different than if you are the best friend or the sister or the brother. And you can play with those dynamics, but that's kind of, yeah, the general structure. Okay. So I'll ask you about one more that I'm just curious to get your thoughts on, which would be the father of the bride speech, Mm -hmm. uh, which is another one that seems that people are frequently looking for some help on. Dad's wanting to know, you know, what direction to go with this thing. So (laughs) what what about those speeches? Do they they take on a, a different formula? And I guess how long should it be? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are some good things to get into? What are some things that maybe dad yeah. should, yep, that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, father of the bride speech is typically considered the most popular because historically it was the bride's parents that would host the event. And then the dad would take on the role of giving the speech. But to be honest, I see mom speaking just as often as dads now. I mean, at my wedding, my mom spoke instead of my dad. And a big part of that was because he wouldn't have been able to get through the speech without crying. And my mom is a great speaker. And so I think it's really, as long as you have somebody, it can be a parent, it can be if you don't have parents who are active in your life, a mentor, somebody who you just feel you'd be honored to hear from them. But to answer your question specifically around Father of the Bride, we tend to focus on stories from the daughter from when she's really young to the present moment. So, you know, we don't want to give this kind of biography and chronological order of like her, she was born, her first steps, her first words, all these things, but finding kind of the tentpole moments of her life and the bond between the dad and the daughter and how that's transitioning now to her becoming a married woman. And so for somebody, it may be a strong connection with sports that they share a bond over going to football games together or that, you know, he really enjoyed taking her to every dance recital and how, you know, and then transition to talking about the first dance that they're going to share at her wedding. And so just kind of finding fun stories from childhood that illustrate their relationship and her personality 
and then finding something to connect to the present day in her future marriage. Okay. All right. Good advice. What do you tell folks that, uh, do, do you have kind of a list of topics or just things that you should just never say in a wedding speech, like steer clear of these things? Yes. So like I said, one of my biggest pet peeves is the fluffy intros, the, right. the talking about, you know, just kind of the um, public speaking fears and nerves and all of that. The other thing is when it comes to jokes, I love humor but let's not roast the couple. So you want to find things that they're going to appreciate that, you know, everybody kind of knows this trait about them and it's a kind of funny thing we can say, but if it's something that is, you know, a quality that they're going to be self-conscious about, maybe an anxiety they have that you're going to want to steer clear from that. This sounds really obvious, but you'd be surprised (laughs) um, when it comes to speeches that, that I've seen. Um, And anything that you wouldn't say in front of your or someone else's grandparents is like my rule of thumb. So if this is a joke that's going to make Grandma Shirley squirm in her seat, then best to save that for the bachelor or bachelorette party. Because that's you you can make a toast there that is as R-rated as you wish. When it comes to curse words, again, this might seem obvious, but... Curse words are something where I typically say don't include unless that's how the couple rolls. As long as there aren't kids there where you're going to upset those children's parents and the couple is aware of it, then again, that's um, you kind of sussing out the situation to know what is the vibe of the wedding and the couple. But in general, I think where people get hung up the most is in the humor element and not quite knowing how to play to the crowd correctly. Also, don't feel like you have to memorize your speech. This is a question I get asked all the time is, should I memorize it? And I always say no, because if you forget one word or one line, your mind's going to go completely blank. You're going to get tripped up, forget where you were. And no one is expecting you to have this memorized. I always say, look at somebody giving an acceptance speech at the Oscars. These actors and actresses, it's, it's literally part of their job to memorize lines. But when they go to give their acceptance speech, what do they all do? They pull out a little piece of paper from their pocket or their purse and they read their really short acceptance speech. So if they're reading it, then no one's going to judge you for reading it. I just say, don't read it from your phone because it looks distracting, just being associated with being on technology. And there can be tech issues where an Instagram notification pops up and all of a sudden you've lost your speech in the middle of it. So print print your speech and print a couple copies in case something happens to the original. Okay. I never thought about that. The, you know, it's a good point that for the people in Hollywood, if they need to print it out <laughs> right. for their big moment, you better do it too. <laughs> but yeah. That's, that's probably also, I would imagine that's kind of a calming thing, you know, to have your speech there written. Maybe it takes a little bit of the pressure off yourself. You've got some comfort Absolutely. in I totally blank here. I can look down and, Figure out where people, I'm going. People, I think, sometimes think, oh, it'll be more heartfelt and emotional if I just say it without reading it. But I think it's more emotional and heartfelt if you're able to have it down to where you're so poised and polished that you don't have to stare at the sheet of paper, but you can look up and make eye contact. And no one's going to make that connection of what you were still holding the paper. Okay. And then on like length of, of a speech, uh, you mentioned earlier, I think you said like one to five minutes, rough timeline, but uh, anything beyond that, like are certain speeches supposed to be longer or shorter? Or is there a time where it's like, you should never go past X? Like, what do you tell Six people? minutes is the max. And I would say that's reserved for the parents of the couple. 
anything beyond that, there's, I always say it's so much more challenging to communicate something in a shorter length of time than it is longer. We can all, I could talk for 20 minutes about anything, but to have to tell that same story in two minutes is much more challenging. What happens is you have greater emotional impact. And that's, I use that word a lot, impact, because that's really what you're going for when the microphone's in your hand is you want to have impact in front of the couple and their guests, and you want it to be emotionally engaging. And so if you're standing up there for 10 minutes, it doesn't matter how interesting your stories are. You're going, the longer you speak, the more impact you're losing as every minute goes on because people are just over it. It just doesn't matter what you're talking about. It's just, that's what's going to happen, especially because you're not the only one speaking. There's typically going to be three or four people giving speeches and all of the speeches combined should not go over 20 minutes. That's when it starts to impact the wedding day timeline of your dinner, your dancing, people are getting hungry. And so, um, yeah, I would say brevity is key. You don't want to be the guy out there keeping everybody from their dinner. <laughs> right. And I've heard Burning people tell off. me like, oh, I've received feedback that if it's not 10 minutes, I shouldn't even bother. And I don't, I don't know who's giving that feedback because the majority of guests that I know who've sat through 10 minute speeches, they, they can't bear it. My vows were about three to three and a half minutes to give you an idea. This is what I do for a living. And I, you know, I love my husband, but, and I could have probably said a lot more than I did in three and a half minutes, but it wouldn't have been as, I think, articulate and meaningful. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that gives everybody a, a pretty good idea of what they should be shooting for and how long to not go uh, and ruin the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk as we're, we're wrapping up. I wanted to cover um, a couple of more things, both of which are services um, that you offer. Uh, one is wedding vows, which you mentioned. So for couples that are, I presume, writing their own wedding vows, you, you know, you can come in and kind of help them construct mm-hmm. that. So maybe just in a general sense for somebody that is going to be, you know, writing their own vows, obviously they can hire you and you're just going to knock it out of the park for them and make them the star of the show. If somebody's, you know, DIYing this thing, um, how can they go about writing some, some good wedding vows? Right. Like what are some tips you could give them on that? So my first tip is to not wait until the last minute. A lot of couples procrastinate this wedding task because it's so overwhelming and daunting to think about how am I supposed to convey all my love for this person in written form that I'm going to say in front of everybody else I know. It's really intimidating. And so they put it off and they put it off and then it's usually the week or the night before the wedding. So my first tip is to plan time Literally schedule it in your calendar time to work on your vow writing the same way you would schedule time to do your hair and makeup trial or your tux fitting. And then the other key is actually showing up to that time. And it's easy to ignore it because it's just you that's putting, you know, in the time of working on your vows, opposed to if you had to go to your dress fitting and there's other people relying on you. So maybe you even need to tag in your maid of honor, your best man as an accountability partner to say, Hey, I saw on our shared calendar invite noon on Saturday, you're working on your vows. How did it go? And to make sure you're showing up. And I would recommend booking three 30 minute blocks for brainstorming sessions. So where people get hung up is sitting down to write their vows and feeling like how, how can I write this perfect first draft, which doesn't exist. So 
take the pressure off of you by not focusing on writing anything other than notes. So it's going to be just like in school, a good old fashioned brainstorm. I call it a pen to paper exercise where set a timer for 15, 20 minutes and you do not lift your pen from the paper and just keep jotting down memories, feelings, anything that comes to mind about your relationship, your fiance, your future together, your hopes, your dreams. So have a few of those sessions. Then you're going to have your actual writing sessions. And it's not going to be as daunting because you'll have material to reference. So you can look at all these notes you have and you'll quickly see some themes of, oh, I'm, I'm talking a lot about how they always support me or how I always feel really seen and understood. So maybe I can write a section that's focused on that before I go into some specific promises. So that's kind of the um, methodology I would recommend for how to actually make progress on your vows. When it comes to the structure, I would say there's two parts you want to focus on. What a lot of couples do is they nail the words of affirmation part out of the park. They, they go on and on about all the things they admire about their partner. But the part that is often forgotten, and it's really the key to vows, are the promises. Because that's what makes a vow, are your promises, of what right. you are committing to this person that you go into your marriage. So I recommend anywhere between three to six specific promises. Anything more than six, and it starts to do what we talked about earlier, where you lose impact and it's just overwhelming. So try to keep it concise, three to six specific promises. I would recommend starting your vows by kind of what I call setting the scene. You know, what was your initial impression of this person when you met? Describe flashback to your first date or the first time you heard about them, your first interaction. What were you physically attracted to them? So you're setting the scene and then you can go into things about what you admire about them, what you admire about your relationship, then the specific promises. And then you want to close with kind of your wishes as you look into your future and, and a strong closing that is going to have some version of letting them know you love them. You know, and some couples have it in different cute ways of sayings that they have that they always say to each other. So I say, try to work that in any, any way that we can work in the things that are really unique to you, whether it's nicknames or quotes you have together. Here's where you can say an inside joke. And I say, it doesn't matter if you bring the guests in because um, at the end of the day, while you want guests to enjoy hearing your vows, it's, it's really about you too. And you can choose to read them in front of your guests or a lot of couples now are doing private vows where during their first look, they'll, they'll read their vows because they feel that they can be more vulnerable and have that more of that personal intimate moment. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I love that advice about just putting pen to paper and kind of setting a timer. I mean, I feel like for a lot of people staring at that blank white page, that's probably a really helpful exercise to just get it, get some momentum. It takes the pressure off of you, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to feel like it has to be perfect. You can just scribble down some notes. And if you throw half of them in the trash, it doesn't matter. No one's going to see it. Yeah. Very cool. I, I want to ask you one more thing, uh, just because I saw it uh, on your site there at Wedding Words about a service that you offered, which was writing a marriage proposal, right? Is a service that you offer. I'm just curious, yeah. like, is that something that a lot of people, it just never occurred to me that somebody would, you know, come to a professional to, to write that for them. Right. But uh, I'm just curious if you're seeing if that's a common thing that people are looking for and what's your, what's your advice on there? Like if somebody's just popping the question, I guess we're <laughs> kind of going back to the beginning here. Somebody's absolutely. Popping what do you, so all of these yeah. services are really about putting emotional things into words that, that you might struggle to articulate. And so when it comes time to asking, ask someone to marry you, that's one of those moments where it's like, oh my gosh, 
how am I going to articulate what I feel in this moment? And so marriage proposals are really unique in that they can vary between somebody wanting to convey something in just a couple of sentences or somebody wanting it to be, you know, two minutes of this kind of confession of their love and, and why they're choosing this person. And so if you're trying to come up with a strategy for how to write your marriage proposal, I'd recommend first asking yourself, what is my goal? Is it just, I literally am going to be so nervous and emotional that I just want to focus on getting the question out? Because if that's the type of person you are, then don't bite off the task of trying to read, you know, a two minute speech. And so in that case, focus on what's like one or two key things I could say as a lead up before asking the question, will you marry? And maybe you don't even ask it in that way. Maybe there, you've had you know, some inside joke or story where you always said, oh, if I ever got married, I would say this. And so work in your personality that way. If you're somebody who you know you want it to be this bigger moment and this speech, maybe it's in front of family and friends. And so you want everybody to hear how you feel, then prepare. And you can do it in a similar way that I recommended for the vows with the brainstorming session. And really edit it down. Even if it's going to be longer, I don't recommend going above like one to two minutes because, you know, your partner is going to kind of know what's about to happen and nerves are going to be coming in more than even I would say on your wedding day, maybe because there's that anticipation. And so, um, again, your brevity is really key. All right. Well, that's very helpful. I, Caitlin, thank you so much for this. I, uh, I think you shared a lot of uh, really great tips for people that maybe you're freaking out right now. Uh, <laughs> I think you would, uh, I know you said it earlier, but it's probably never too soon to start. So if you've got an event coming up, you know, months, yeah. even a year away, like it's probably never too soon to be at least thinking about it and starting to put some of those thoughts on paper. Start keeping a journal. That's what I did. Yeah. I would journal the year that I got engaged. I would just write down different things that my husband would do or say to me that I really appreciated. And then I went back and I referenced all my journal entries and I sort of highlighted parts that I might want to use in the vows. So, you know, whether it's a notes app on your phone or a real journal, those are some kind of like low stakes, low pressure way for you to start preparing for your vows. Yeah, I love it. Well, tell everybody uh, before we wrap up, just, you know, if, if they're interested in hiring you to just, hey, I just want you to do this thing for me. How do they get in touch with you and just, you know, whatever, uh, however they can reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to help anybody who's struggling with this or, you know, I work with people who for a combination of reasons, either they struggle to put their heart into words, they're just really busy, they have anxiety around public speaking, all of the above. So you can find me at my website, it's weddingwords.us, and also my Instagram, which is at weddingwords.us. On my website, I have a contact form you can fill out. I'll respond within one business day, and um, I'd be excited to work with anybody who needs the help. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you being on the show with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.